chapter number 3, page 1293. If you've got a Schofield reference Bible, 1293, Hebrews chapter number 3. It is our great privilege to have Bradley Stiles with us and his children, Abigail, Emily, and Cain. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today. We appreciate you being in, uh, joining us and being our guest here at church. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3. We appreciate you being here. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 3, verse number 7. Hebrews chapter number 3, verse number 7. If you have your place, say amen. amen. Please listen intently. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if ye will hear His voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my worst forty years, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed. That thought is, pay attention. Listen. Take heed, brethren. Lest there be any of you in the evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, what is called today, lest any of you be, again, notice this statement, hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it, while it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. To the help of God, I'm going to preach on hardening of the heart, a spiritual condition. Hardening of the heart. I want you to know, I checked this morning before I left. I'm glad you've come to the doctor's office this morning. We want to do a spiritual checkup. And I'm glad to report the great physician is in. You say, how long am I going to wait? He can meet with all of us at the same time. Man, he's good. He's never got diagnosis wrong. Man, it's amazing. He is a great physician. Preacher, I ain't got any church. You don't need none. I don't know if I can pay the bill. He's already paid it. Amen. My, what a great physician he is. And he wants to do a heart checkup on you. So I pray that you'll hear intently. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us today. All right. I'm going to ask Brother Joey if he would lead us to a throne of grace.
Amen. You can be seated. According to the Center of Disease Controls, 610,000 people die in America because of heart disease. That is one out of every four deaths. Up until just recent years, heart disease was the number one, number one disease of taking people out in our country. That is, in the recent years, fallen to cancer, but may I say it's still a close second. And believe it or not, the highest rate of heart disease in the country happens to be here in the South. Probably because we deep fry everything from chicken to Twinkies. Amen. And arteries in the heart become so clogged from the pounds of bacon and piles of red meat and we consume and it's a medical term for it is called hardening of the arteries. But the heart we're going to speak about today is not that physical muscle within the chest walls, but it is that which dictates your life. It is who you are. It's not a medical... We're not going to discuss a medical problem today or a medical warning. It's a spiritual one. The heart is mentioned several times in these verses as being that part that responds to God and relates to God. Andrew Murray said the heart is the organ of God creating man for holding fellowship with Him. It is the ear that hears the voice of God and the eye that see he, and, and the eye that sees Him in an unseen world. Your spiritual heart is a part of you that makes and keeps you alive to God. And through that spirit pumps faith and grace that we need every day we live. The challenge of this text, however, is that there's a problem. There's an issue. And almost immediately we find it mentioned over and over and over. Something is wrong with that heart. Again, I'm talking about a spiritual heart, not the physical one. Somebody will leave here saying, boy, he told me my heart's bad. I'm going to go see a heart doctor. No, it's not. You don't go see the heart doctor in this world. You need to see the great physician today. But there's something going wrong in the heart. And the reality is, every problem, every issue, where you are in your Christian life, where you stand in your Christian life, lost or saved, is truly a heart condition. God deals in the heart. and But just as disastrous as physical heart, bad, the spiritual heart is just as disastrous. I was reading the other week where a man was in the pulpit, a preacher and a pastor, and he said... 
one of these days in heaven and hit the floor and was in heaven before he even finished the statement. But spiritual heart is just as devastating for you. That's why this morning we need to take a biblical view of what's going on in your heart. The Word of God will be the heart monitor. Jesus Christ is the great physician. As I said earlier, He's on call today. And He wants to help you. As a matter of fact, the great physician is the only one, is the only one that can do what needs to be done in your heart and mine. No one else can. An assistant won't get the job done. A PA won't get the job done. It will take the great physician to feel the need of your heart today. But notice as we sat down with the great physician, and he begins to discuss with us. First of all, we see here the example we need to consider. But hold it before we get there. If you went to the heart doctor, you went for your physical, went for your checkup, and they run all the tests, an ordinary test, they, 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 they do. And before you got home, the, the, you've got to call. The doctor is, is wanting to, for you to come back to his office immediately. You probably wouldn't think, he's just going to tell me how good a health I'm in. Probably not. If he called you back, and it's interesting, if he called you, you went in and sat down, you would listen so intently to every single word. He would have your utmost attention. You wouldn't let a, you wouldn't let one word slip by. You would hear everything he's had to say. I thought it interesting. The Holy Spirit put it in His book. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said today, if you will hear His voice, wouldn't it be something? The doctor calls you, said we've seen something on the EKG and something doesn't look right and we're concerned about you. And, and, you, and you went in and, and you sat down and said, well, well, doctor... Uh, I'm get this done now. I'll just sleep while you're while you're telling me, or you would be so nonchalant as to not care about what he's got to say. Would that be odd? Would that be strange? If I was a doctor, I'd ask you. You've been smoking dope this morning. What's wrong with you? Why Why are you acting like that? Because you wouldn't want to hear what he had to say. Oh, how much the Holy Ghost to God wants you to hear what He has to say today. You won't get the right diagnosis if you don't hear what He has to say. Then He goes on and He said, there's an example you need to consider. And the first thing they do, after filling out 127 pages of insurance and all that junk, 
they would, they would have a sheet that said, let's talk about your family history. Tell me about your grandfather. Tell me about your grandmother. Tell me about your mama. Tell me about your daddy. Uh, do they have heart disease? Do they have uh, diabetes? Do they have high blood pressure? And on and on and on and on and on. And, and, and they want to know your family history. I thought it interesting when God begins to talk about a spiritual heart problem. He goes back to our history. He said, harden not your hearts as in provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works 40 years, were reminded of the heart health history of these that came before this people here. First of all, he said, we made diagnosis of that generation. God saved them out of slavery. They came through the blood, amen. Well, you know the story where the Lord said, told Moses that you take a lamb, you put it up, you keep it, man, cannot have a spot or a blemish, and you take the blood, put the blood on the doorpost and on the lentils, and he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. By the way, that is still exactly what God's going to do. When he sees the blood applied, he'll pass over you. Well, I'm glad this morning the blood's been applied. You say, preacher, I don't know nothing about that, then you're lost. The blood's not been applied. Oh, we ought to be, we need to, to know the blood's been applied. And he, they, he said, I brought them out. He said, and I cared for them. I fed them, uh, bread from heaven. Their shoes didn't wear out. The clothes never wore out. I brought them miraculously to the wilderness. Still the people, with all the grace of God that had been handed down to them, they murmured, they complained, they rebelled against the God of heaven. He said, harden not your hearts as in provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works, he said, they saw what I could do. They saw enough water to come out of a rock to give over a million, several million people a, a drink of water. They wanted meat, and God brought the, the, the uh, meat to them. All they had to do knock it down with a stick. Every morning, God sent bread, and still they murmured and complained and rebelled. Forty years long, God said, I was grieved with this generation and said, it is, this, it is a people that do err in their hearts and they have not known my ways. In spite of all that God did for them. Hey Moses, we miss Egypt. We miss the food there. It stinks out here in this desert. We had it better under Pharaoh than we had it under God. And they would rebel against the great hand of God and all that He's given them. Ignored His provisions. 
Hebrew writer said, Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. Has your heart turned away from Him? Have you turned back to the world that God saved you from? Boy, some of us, God saved you from a very wicked world. I praise God for God saving that little boy. I got saved as 11 year old, uh, when I was 11 years old at Icarus Grove Baptist Church. And for years, I'd hear men stand up, boy, I was a drunk and God saved me out of the gutter. And everybody went, woo, glory, they shout, carry on, you know. And my testimony was, Dull as dirt. I wasn't drunk. Daddy didn't allow drinking the youngest to drink. I, I, I wasn't a thief. I wasn't a dope addict. I was just a little boy, lost and undone. And God saved me. Amen. Boy, what I learned one day. Praise God. I'd rather have my testimony. Than theirs, amen? Because but the reality is, no matter what we are, whether you're a little boy or, or, or the worst sinner ever, stood the same blood to save me as they saved them. Now I realized that God had done a great work for me. He noticed the heart had turned away from Him and turned Him back to the very thing He saved you from. Here this morning, if you're saved, if you are saved by the grace of God, and I said, if, I, I don't know your heart. I, you, you say, I'm on a church road. Doesn't make you saved. I, my, 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 my mom and my daddy are, are, are outstanding members. Doesn't make you saved. Salvation, you it cannot be done on the coattail of your mom and daddy. If it's a personal thing. You gotta trust Jesus as your Savior for yourself. You can't go in on mom and daddy. You can't go in on mom and daddy. So we must be. If you're saved, have you found your heart turning back to the things that God saved you from? It's amazing. It's amazing. When temptation and trials come, we have a tendency to turn back to what God brought us out of. Amen. But you know, you, and it's called a hardening of the heart. Hardening of the heart. Rather than enjoying the milk and honey of Canaan, they died in the desert. Notice the, the diagnosis of that generation, but notice the death of that generation. So I swear... This is God talking. I swear in my wrath, they're not going to enter in to the promised land. Now, it's not heaven, but it's a place of victory. Can I help you? That one thing that, that burdens in my heart so much is so many Christians. They're saved. They've got a testimony of salvation. They can tell you the place and, and the time. But they're, they're, they're wasting this great gift called life just going round and around and around and around. I'm not going to do that long. And around. 
get a message, around in this world and never have the victory that is ours as born-again believers. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's ours. He's promised. And yet, because of this people, he said, I swear in my wrath, they're not going to... And the Bible says he was grieved with that generation. God was so grieved with that generation that all the young men, 20 years and older, all 20 years and older, how many is 20 years and older? Raise your hand. Amen. All of you, all of you didn't get to enter in if you were then. Only those 20 years and younger. By the way, before, I'm the, before I forget it, I told our young people they went to a band a competition. I said, you better be as excited about the service today. I ain't heard from them yet. Amen. As excited about this as about that. Amen. You won't tell me how, you won't know how they acted. They went, ah! What they acted? That's right. I thought, bless God, you go in. I'm glad they're happy. I said, you better act that way in church tomorrow. If I see them eyes go shut, I'm going to get up in front of you and say, ah! While you're asleep. God said, He's so grieved with that generation. I don't want God grieved with me. I don't want God grieved with our church. I want all these God for me. And they were grieved. He said, I'm not going to let you enter in. Now, if you're lost, you're not entering at all. Because you don't know Jesus. Someone says, are, are you... Could we lose our, gener- our salvation? This is not about losing your salvation. It's about losing the victory that's rightfully ours. Can I say this? It's about wasting your life. Let me help you. Too many of you, and I love you. You're my ch- I love you dearly. And if you don't know that by now, you never will. And, 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 uh, but too many of you are looking to this world for your purpose and your value. Your purpose and value is in the Lord Jesus Christ and serving Him. And it brings great joy and great satisfaction. And you won't find it any other place if you're saved. Now, if you're lost, you need to run the world for just as hard. You need to get all that you can out of the world. Because when you die lost, you'll wind up in hell with nothing. So, first of all, an example we need to consider. Number two, an examination we need to conduct. Okay, now, wake up! We're going to do the examination! So first of all, what are we trying to detect? Verse 12, mark this phrase. An evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. Right now, hold it. 
I'll do this for later. No, no, no. Today, today, we're not going to do this. Today, we're going to do the examination. And the great physician is starting his examination to detect an evil, by the way, God's given the terminology here. Well, it ain't, it ain't too bad. No, an evil heart of unbelief. Don't change what God's saying. He calls it an evil heart of unbelief, and it's evil heart of unbelief. As you consider your heart, are you still clinging to your sins and turn away from God because you don't want to believe the truth? I, I read this. Paul said to a church, he said, if it were possible, you would pluck your eyes out from me. But now, have I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. Wow. Today. Don't miss this. Today. Do you have an evil heart of unbelief? Well, I, I can't live it. Preacher, I, I'm going to get saved when I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. You better junk that thinking. And realize you can never live it. You only live it through Christ lives in you. None of us can live it. It's Christ living through us. An evil heart. As you examine your heart this morning, boy, I'm telling you, why is it a crucial time? Because what we're trying to deter, what we're trying not to happen, trying not to happen, I know it's a terrible illustration, but it's the best one that comes to mind. I went to the doctor on Monday. My blood pressure was out the ceiling. And the doctor said, my God, we're going to have to put you on medicine. So she put me on medicine because she said, we we got to move. we got to put you on medicine. But it wasn't soon enough. Still had a blowout on Wednesday. What they're trying to deter is this. Don't miss it. It's no different. Hey, by the way, you're not an exception. I'm not an exception. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you of evil heart of unbelief. Now notice, in departing from the living God. My preacher, I tell you, watch the truth. I, I ain't going to never go nowhere. Watch out. Watch out. Please don't tell me that because you'll be the next one departing from a living God. I want you, I want to help you this morning. There's something greater than just being a member of this church. And what's greater is God puts you here. If God puts you here, when you're no longer here, then you've departed from Him. Much greater. Well, God has a place for everyone. If God has put you here,
then when you depart, you're departing from Him. That word departing means deserting to walk away. But on one occasion, Jesus is a preaching, and He fed all of them and gave them all a fish plate. He gave them some fish and hush puppies, and, and uh, there was multitudes following Him. But when He got to preaching, I said when He got to preaching, when he got to preaching, gun mouth straight. They said, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a hard saying. And they turned and walked away. Now, I want to help you. It's going, to, it's going to mess some of you up. Jesus did not run after them trying to change their mind. But instead, he looked at them disciples. He said, Hey, you fellas going to go away too? I love what Peter's saying. Lord, where are we going to go? Lord, where are we going to go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So what? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So where are we going to go? Well, I like that. This morning, we find that he said, departing from the living God. They once professed faith in Jesus. But now they don't want to follow him anymore. They want to turn to the life of living without him. In other words, they don't want him telling them what they need to do. They don't want him doing the leading. They might not publicly renounce Jesus or faith in Jesus, but what they really hold is their affection. And their attention today is not on Jesus, but on sin and on their self. And they serve that day and night. Now, if that's the kind of heart you got, and maybe that heart's just lurking inside you right now. It's just not getting starting to get hard. I don't agree with that. Go home and have a preacher for lunch. My, I'm a tough old bird, Amen. You, you, you better hunt somebody a little more. T- I'm tough. I'm hard. And, and, and it won't do you no good. I, I, I don't agree with that. I'm not. Your heart. The problem is your heart is getting hard on you. Your heart. But when you have hardening of the arteries, when you go to walk and you, your breath starts getting shallow, your strength ain't what it used to be. Things start happening that show you there's something on my heart. And here this morning, if you've got a spiritual heart condition of hardening, you hear what God says, I ain't going to do that! I ain't going to do that! I don't agree with that! You don't understand! I know what God said, but you old goat, biting everything, Coming and going. But, no, what you're saying is, there's a heart conditioning going on inside. That your heart, your heart is hard. I, the other week, or several times in this church, I watch people. Happened Wednesday night. I was a preaching. 
It happened to notice a young lady in the church and the tears were running out of her eyes. And I said, Hallelujah! Her heart is still tender enough that God can squeeze it and it leaks out her eyes. When's the last time your heart was tender enough that you could weep for a lost soul, weep for a family member? As your heart's got so hard, our attitude is, they ain't going to hell, I don't care. So hard, so tender that, that God could squeeze it and, uh, and it leak out our eyes. Well, when we get a hard heart, you know what's to say? When we get a hard heart, we're not happy with nothing. We, a tendency is to find outside. The, we start looking. Well, I don't know. I think we're not a preacher. I think, and I, I'll agree if you had a good preacher, it'd be a great church. It'd be a great church. It's a symptom of a hard heart. Boy, we need to go somewhere. It's a symptom of a hard heart. Because when a heart gets hard, then you don't, then we get hard to everything. Everything around us. And that's sad. We're hard, we're hard to the people we love. We're hard to the people we know. Example that you need to consider, an examination you need to need to conduct, but then notice an exercise that you need to continue. The American Heart Association recommends improving your heart health in physical exercise. According to their website, they recommend 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week. Now that exercise is not doing this. That's not the exercise you had in mind. Amen. Had the exercise of walking and has the exercise of, of just doing exercises. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. The great physician has got some exercises. Verse 13. But exhort one another daily. Why it's called today. Lest any of you be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. You know why he said a good exercise to keep you from your heart getting hard? It's to find somebody to lift up. It is to find somebody to encourage. Hey, hi. I said, how you doing, Gene? I'm doing good. Doesn't cost anything to be nice to somebody. Let me tell you a good sign that you got a hard heart. Let me tell you a good sign. Brother Ronnie, you, you dismiss, and, and as soon as they get... <laughs> and we would like to exhort you, but we're too old and fat to catch you before you get to the car. I've never seen it to fail. The people that have a hardness of heart don't want to be around no one else. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, you know what? I, I don't 
online crowds. Now, I'm going I'm to challenge you, and you're going to get upset with me, but I can prove it. I can prove it. They said, I, I don't like crowds. But on Black Friday, <laughs> at 1 o'clock in the morning, at Walmart, I joined all the other idiots out there at 1 o'clock in the morning. And there's all this crowd, and guess who's right in the middle of them? That dear soul that said, I don't like crowds. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. No, you don't want anybody to encourage your heart. And you don't encourage nobody else's heart. Because it's all about me. It's about me. It's just about me. That's God. Nobody don't love me. Nobody ain't kind. Nobody won't talk to me. Isn't it amazing? I don't wait for somebody to talk to me. I go talk to them. Yeah. You, have you ever, have you ever thought, I love, you, you want to, you want to get help. Why don't you talk to these kids around here? Yesterday, Aslan at prayer time, she had a baby and a carrier. She got the baby out. She stuck it back in the car. She said, you want to sit in the car seat because you ain't been nice. <laughs> I said, well, how do you know? Because she, she ain't been nice. Now I wonder where she heard that. And I, I, I mean, just started. You, you be, it, it's amazing how much. You know what you'd find out? It, it, some of you would find this out. It's amazing. By the way, this works for young people too. Young person comes in this church, you ought to be the first one to go talk to them. Works for all of us. You know what it'd be amazing? That somebody has a heartache. That somebody's got a need. Somebody's burdened about something. And the big truth is, you'd find out somebody's got probably worse than you do. Somebody else has got a trial. Somebody else. Dr. House tells a story. He went into a restaurant. He said, uh, he said, the lady come, and he, he said, good morning, and she just slammed down the menus. And little bag said, what do you want? So he ordered. She come back, just throwed it on the table. Just angry, ugly. He said he got ready to leave. He said he left one of the largest tips he'd ever left. He went to pay. She called him. She said, sir, sir, we don't take money for the meal at the table. You left your money. He said, no. He said, you take tips, don't you? And she started to weep. She said, I was brutal to you. But she said, last night I went off from work and my husband's packed up everything and left me and I'm all by myself. 
And I was angry by what he'd done. See, the hard heart gets you to thinking about ourselves. Gets you thinking about you. And doesn't get you to realize that you got a heart. You, you know, if you got hardened into the heart, you can have it today and not even know it. But the great physician, he said, I detect. I'm detecting something there. And if you don't deal with this thing, you'll walk away from me. You'll say, you're a quack. I don't want you for a doctor. And leave. And you depart from the very help that I could give you. He's saying, if you don't look and see, isolated, lone wolf Christianity is a Satan. Devil loves you. He'll beat you to death. So tonight, this morning, he comes and he says, For we are made partakers of Christ. We hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. I've got more here. I, I just think right now it's time to stop. Okay? The examination's been made. Have you? Examine your heart. Well, my husband! No, no, no! You don't get to examine somebody else. This morning you've got to examine yourself. Just you. I wonder. Today! Today! If you would hear his voice. Harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. We'd all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. While the musicians come.